This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. Here today, and the presence of the Lord is here. Welcome everybody to Greater Life this morning. Welcome all of our guests here today. Thank you so much for joining us and being with us. Amen. God is good. Thank you, thank you, thank you all of our guests for being here. This is your first time in a Pentecostal church or a Pentecostal service. I want you to know that... Uh, I was, I was greeting some folks on the way in this morning, and, and uh, you know, there's this, they said, we heard, heard it might be a little crazy. And I want to assure everybody here today, that is exactly the case. Amen. I, I know it may be a little trite, but quite honestly, we're just crazy about Jesus. Amen. Like, this world is crazy about all kinds of things that are worthless. Not only are they worthless, they're toxic. They'll kill you. They'll destroy you from the inside out. The world's crazy about this stuff. We're just crazy about Jesus. We're just crazy about the one who gives life and life more abundantly. So if we get a little excited, um, I just want to maybe extend it to you. You have permission to get a little excited. Each and every one of us, you, can, you have permission. God's been so good. You have permission to be excited. You have permission. Don't, don't, um, don't let the rocks take your place. We're going to get to that this morning. Luke chapter 19, verse 37. Amen. Luke 19 and verse 37. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It simply says in verse 37, Then he, this being Jesus, as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all. That's good, Brother Langer. Thank you. I, I'm, no, that's good. I, I mean it. I appreciate that. With a loud voice. Everyone say loud voice. Everyone say loud voice with a loud voice. <laughs> that's good. That's, well, that was great, actually. That was really good. Let's... That's great. Okay. I, I feel good about that, actually, because normally I'm like, all right, let's try again. No, that's great. Oh, good. But you know the difference. You, parents, you know the difference from your, from your conversational voice to your dad voice with some authority, Tim. You got some authority, brother. <laughs> you know the difference. Well, they were shouting and rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice with an authority, and the authority came from what the Lord had done in their lives, all the mighty works that they had seen. So this is, I, we're, we're reading here, and I know you're standing, and I'm going to get to something in a little bit. I'm going to keep reading in just a second here, but, but just I want to capture this in our mind. A crowd of people rejoicing with a loud voice of the things that they had seen. What, what, they were, what that tells us is that it's a descriptor. Their loud voice was saying, I've seen Jesus 
heal the blinded eye. Here comes Jesus, the one who raised the dead. Here's Jesus, the one who healed our bodies and our sick. Here's Jesus who delivered us from all of our issues and fears and oppressions. Here's Jesus. They were just shouting unintelligibly, but they were sounding off of the things that Jesus had done. Yeah. I wonder this morning what it would be if there would be one or two or three or four or 50 or 60 or 80 people or 100 people here today who would just begin to say, here's what Jesus has done for me. Here's what I've seen Jesus do personally. No? Thank Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you. All right, come on now, bro. Oh, okay, come on. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Okay, we just keep going, I mean. New family, restore my joy. Come on, someone. Yes, keeping us safe. Yes, come on. What's Jesus done for you? Give me hope. Set me free. Save the marriage. Come on, someone. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Literally, literally, yes. 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 Come on. We're just scratching the surface this morning. And here's, here's the whole point where I'm getting this, and we can read in just a second. And tradition right now and culture right now is telling you you're in church. Just keep quiet. And let's go with the rest of the service. Okay. Verse 38. So they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works he had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, the tradition of church that keeps us quiet. The culture that we're accustomed to that tells you to be silent. Not just out there, but also in here. Not, not, you know, here, are we okay with this? Okay. Some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. 
we sang this morning, I will not be silent. I will always. The song's not about me. It's about you. I, it's a commitment. I will always worship you. I'm committing to you, Jesus. I, I, I'm not going to be silent. I'm, I, I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what anybody else sounds like. If I'm the only one here, that's fine. I, Jesus, I'm not going to be silent. I'm always going to worship you. Always, always, always. So this morning, this morning for just a little bit, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I just want to preach on this subject. Between the rock and a hard place. Between the rock in a hard place. Amen. Before you're seated this morning, why don't you do this? Go shake hands and greet three people that you don't know. Welcome them to church this morning. Let them know that they look good, even if you have to speak by faith. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> All the introverts said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were like,
All right, amen. Now, I was, Brother Marchand up in the sound booth, just want to let you know, this time right here doesn't count for as long as I'm preaching. Just want to just be clear about that. This is not part of the message. Thank you. Amen. Again, just want to say a very warm welcome to all of our guests this morning. Thank you for being with us today. We just so appreciate you being here. I want you to feel welcome. Also, I want to give a very warm and special welcome to friends of ours all the way from Iowa, um, brother and sister Wayne and Joyce Smith. Uh, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for being with us. Old family friends going way, way, way back. Well, I... Way back. I don't want to say way, way, way back, because that makes us uh, sound older than we are. So, um, But knowing them from back in the Iowa days, now church, I just want to give you some instructions. You are not allowed to ask them any questions about my childhood. So, because they have some stories, I'm sure, and, and all the stories are, are well, they're there. So, um, yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you. I will. The check is in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Between a rock and a hard place. Between the rock and a hard place. Jesus Christ, the rock. This this Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday has traditionally been for me one of my favorite Sundays that we come together for worship and service. Because the whole theme around this day is, as we echo what's happening in Scripture, we we kind of observe it somewhat traditionally or customarily, but we don't want to just do this out of custom. But we observe it in such a way that we follow the theme of Scripture. The theme of Scripture that we find is that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem for Passover. But he's not just going back to Jerusalem just for another traditional visit and an annual visit. He's going to Jerusalem to settle some things. And to settle some things once and for all. Now the people didn't really know that. And in the culture of that day, the climate of that culture was one where tensions were building. Does anybody relate to that here today? Do you know, do you feel that? Do you feel that in the atmosphere of our culture that tensions are building? Can you feel it? Can you perceive that and, and, and discern that in our culture, in the United States of America, even not even just this country, but globally, tensions are building. They're, it's all over the place. Conversations are being had. Leaders are saying one thing, and, and other people are going to have are coming around to the other side and say, "Well, they, they didn't really mean that. They didn't really mean that." Other people are, are, are actions are being taken, and, and on the on the global stage, everybody's wondering what's going to happen next. Who are the next nations to be involved in conflict? Globally, locally, even even within our country in the United States. Tension. Tension. You're seeing tension at the grocery stores, at the gas pump. You feel that tension carry over in your job, at your school. You feel it carry over into your home life. Everywhere you go, it's tension. 
tension, tension. Tension is rising in our nation as it's divided, and it's, it's bitterly divided. That we're, we're, we're posturing in our nation for upcoming midterm elections to see how that's going to change some things, and, and you know that people are ready to fight. And that used to be a figurative term, but it's becoming more and more literal. Tension. Locally in Minneapolis, St. Paul, in this area, tensions. If you remember a couple of years ago how tense things were. And problems still exist. Humanity still exists. And while tensions may have cooled for a little bit, it's all operating under the surface. Ready. Just ready to rise again. You, just, you discern it in our time. It's tension. And for the people in Israel, there was a leader who had been growing in fame, popularity, and authority in the outskirts. Among the people, he, in the populace, he was growing in popularity. And the people were beginning to talk about a new leader that was coming. To help set everything right. And to get them back on track to where they needed to be. Some of us may be thinking that very same thing. I can't wait for a new leader. I'm not getting political. Some of you are like, well, let me tell you. I read this. Like, no, 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 I'm not. But Christians, let's not find ourselves in that same position. Where we're hoping for a new leader. Did you hear what so-and-so said? They're going to be the next president of the United States. He said this, or she said that. She's going to be the next president of the United States. And we get excited about the potential for leaders to help set us right. Because tension is building. And then... When whoever it is gets brought into an office of power and authority, all of a sudden the world reacts. And there's celebration or mourning, but the, you know, there's, like the, the people are celebrating, saying, this is it, this is the person that's going to help us and, and bring us right back to where we need to be. It was the build-up to that inauguration and, and that excitement, and that's really where we find Jesus in, in some ways, that's where you find Jesus and, and the people gathering around Jerusalem as they're getting ready to all come back to Jerusalem for Passover. It's this electricity, this excitement that Jesus is going to come. And he's going he's to overthrow the oppressive government. And he's going to help us to get back on track to where we need to be. He's going to rebuild Jerusalem better. Than ever before. Yeah, that was the tenor of people. And there was and there was tension. Even this morning, as we've shifted gears in this message, you can feel a little bit of tension. Because we started talking about politics. A little bit. And you can feel the tension. Followers of Jesus Christ, can I just tell you? You don't have to be tense about politics. Because nobody in this world, no one in this world, 
has authority above the name, above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody. The land that you're living in now may not be where we ultimately want it to be, and we are subject to the laws of the land that we live in. But we don't just live for this land today. We're living for another land, another city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's what we are living for. The tensions we're building, and then we find Jesus coming in to Jerusalem from Bethany, riding on a great, beautiful, majestic, austere, purebred donkey. A donkey. Not a very pretty animal. We talked about this on Wednesday night a little bit. A stubborn animal. Not fast by any means. Just going at its own pace. But the donkey represented more than just what was available. Jesus could have had a pick of any, could have had some camels, I'm sure. Maybe horses, stallions coming in and a chariot. A whole processional for coming into the city. And everybody just excited about this whole parade that was coming in and floats and all these sorts. But no, no, no. The, the, the donkey represented something quite different. In those times for a king to come in to the city on a donkey, it was a message that he was coming in with peace. That he wasn't rushing in to, 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 to battery ram the, the doors of the gates of the city down and to bring an army and say, charge and let's go get them. But he was methodically, slowly working his way into the city to let everybody know I'm coming with peace, in peace. Just coming in peace. And all the people were celebrating. And they were cheering and clapping and, and laying down their, their garments on the road before him and taking branches off of trees and laying it down on the road, preparing the way, saying, right this way, Jesus, come on in to the city. We're ready for you to come in. We're ready for you to, to, to now take the throne and to set everything and make everything right. And they were looking back to Old Testament prophecy See, they lived and died by this word. This word uh, that they had at the time, the words that they had, meant so much to them. And they, they were living and dying by the words that they had. And they were looking back to an Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah 9 that told them of what was coming. Zechariah 9 and 9 simply says this and references this very point. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim 
and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow. Hear these words. The battle bow. Like the war and the striving and the battle will be cut off. He'll speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to the sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. In verse number 9, the command is given to say, Rejoice greatly and shout, O daughter of Zion. When Jesus enters onto the scene, when the King of kings and the Lord of lords enters onto the scene, all our responsibility is to do is not to tell him what to do or to, tell, or to do anything about it. Just say, Jesus is here and he's going to set everything right. In your life, he's coming to set some things right. Yes, he is. And the response and the command for the people was to rejoice greatly and to shout. And to shout. So it's no wonder that while Jesus is making his methodical way into Jerusalem, that the people were looking back at Scripture and thinking, this is it. Here he comes. We, our responsibility now is to rejoice greatly and to shout. And followers of Jesus Christ... It's still the same. It's still the same. When he's making his way, our responsibility is not to tell him what to do or how to do it, but just rejoice greatly and shout. Thank you, Jesus. Right this way, Jesus. Do whatever you want to do, Jesus. I'm, ex I'm looking forward. I'm on board, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. And so what the people begin to do is they begin to rejoice greatly and shout. In the Bible, we read in Luke chapter 19 that they began to talk and express about the things that Jesus had done. And the uproar got so great and was so disturbing that the leaders said, Jesus... Tell them to be quiet. Rebuke, stop them from what they're doing. It's too much. And we know Jesus' response. We read it. He says, I I'm going to tell you what. If I tell them to be quiet, the very stones themselves. Like, stones don't really make a lot of noise. The only time I've, you know, associated a rock with noise is, Brother Wayne, when there's a pack of dogs and you take the rock and you <laughs> throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's noise. That's, I don't know. I've never done that, and I'm, this is online, so I'm sorry. Like, I've never done that. It was a stick, but it's not important. Um, <laughs> rocks don't make noise. They don't do anything. They just sit there. <laughs> and they don't move. And it's really hard to move them. Let us pray. No. <laughs> 
Rocks don't engage. Rocks just, they just sit there. And I know some of you body language, like, I know this, this doesn't mean the same for everyone. Some people, this is being thoughtful, and I get that. I get that in our ways. This, that's fine. I'm not saying that. But rocks just kind of don't move. You can, do, you can do the greatest thing in the world. It's not going to move. You can impress them all you want. It's not going to do anything for them. But the environment of that day was different. Something particular that day was taking place. Because here comes Jesus, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. And it's as though the foundations of themselves, of this earth, would cry out if the people were to keep silent because of the tension that was building. It was building so great, it had to be broken and let out. The tension was so great, it had to be let out. Has anybody ever had tension like that build in your life? Any of those tension builders right here? <laughs> We've got a ministry for you. <laughs> that sometimes you just, it feels, it's, the tension builds so much you just want to scream. Have you ever done that? Oh man, okay. Where you just open up your back door? And you just go, and you just scream, like, and then neighbors pull their curtains, and like, what's going on over there? Because it's tension, they got to let it out. But the tension in those days was not out of frustration. It was out of hope that they'd held on to hope for so long. And they hadn't seen it happen yet. But finally, maybe even they'd stopped hoping somebody. Where you give up on your hope and you say, I, you know what, I've tried this and I, I thought it was going to happen before. And it's never happening and it's never going to advance. It's never going to progress. It's never going to get any better. But then all of a sudden Jesus was coming. And they started to hear somebody over here say about how he had done something for them. And somebody over there saying, well, this is what Jesus did for me. And the person who had a broken body all of a sudden hears somebody else on the road saying, he healed my body. And the person over here who's depressed and anxious says, he healed my mind and delivered me from anxiety. And the person on the back on this other side was saying, our marriage was broken and our family was split, but he put us back together. And this person over here saying, I was addicted. And they say, well, I was that way. Maybe if he can do it for them, maybe he can do it for me. And the rocks begin to cry out because the tension can't take it anymore. Jesus, right this way, do something in my life. So it says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Zion, because your king is coming to you. You don't got to go find him. He's coming to you. He's coming to you. He's making his way, not lofty in a cloud somewhere, but down on a slow, deliberate, lowly donkey. He's making his way right to you.
when the king shows up to you, and he walks by you, and he says, Brady, what can the king do for you? <laughs> what can the king do for you today? And when so many people have offered with zero authority or power to do it, our cynicism says, nothing, you can't do nothing for me. But when the king of kings, the one with all power and authority, when he comes to you, he's the only one that actually can do something. And he's coming to you and he's saying, what can we do for you? What can I do for you? Not we, just one, but like the royal we. <laughs> what can I do for you? Brent and Savannah, what, the king is coming. It's not me, it's him. He's saying, what can I do for you? Well, and you're here today, and the king is coming to you, and he's saying, what, what can I do? I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. What, what can I do? What can I do? What would you tell him? What would you tell him? I wonder what we would tell the king. Jesus. Here's what you can do for me. <laughs> you can heal me. You can bless me. You can fill up my bank account. Oh, can I get a witness, please? You can wipe away all my debt. You can give me a new job. You can give me a job. You can tell my kids to knock it off. <laughs> it's going to stay right there. No. The king is saying, what? What can I do? And the people are cheering. Come on in and do it. Come on in and do it. Come on and take all of these political jokers out of the way. My wife told me a joke the other day. She said, oh, how did it go? She said, what do you do? What happens with political jokes? I said, I don't know what. She says, they get elected. Now, in case the government's watching, <laughs> I've not endorsed a political candidate. I haven't picked one person on a side, one side of the aisle or another. Everyone's corrupt, so we're all together. This is the last time you'll see me. This is it. Like this is, this is <laughs> your new pastor will be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> Rejoice, so <tri> no. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, focus, Nathan. <laughs> the message that Jesus was sending is he was coming to you. Not coming to pick a fight. Not but he was coming to bring peace. He was coming as peace. You know what you need in your life more than anything? You need peace. You don't need, look, blessings of the world don't give you peace. 
situational uh, outcomes don't give you peace. You can have all the things of this world. You can have the greatest job. You can have the most money. You can have prestige and position and fame. You can have it all, but it doesn't bring you peace. Quite frankly, some of the most successful people in the world are the most miserable people in the world. It's true. They're, some of the, they're among the, the angriest people in the world. They're among the people that are the, the most anxious and that have the highest, highest rates of uh, certain uh, operational mental health uh, disabilities in their, in their lives. They, they live high on depression and anxiety, super high functioning, but they're, they're very messed up. The world and the, the things of this world will not help you. That's why scripture says that we need peace, not peace as the world gives it. Because peace the way that the world gives it is for a brief sliver of time. And it will be so fleeting, it will run away. From, you won't find it. But peace the way that God gives peace. The, the ability to lay your head down at night and not cry. The ability to go throughout your day and not be angry. The ability to not lust after everything that you see. The ability to be okay in whatever state that you're in. To be content in whatever place of life that you're in. To not worry about years that you've lost or opportunities that's been wasted. But peace. Jesus is coming to bring peace. That there's all these things that you can give me, Jesus. But if there's something that you can bring me, then God bring me peace. Our world, we, 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 how soon we have forgotten in our world that just a few weeks ago, about five weeks ago, we were struck by the horrors of Russia and, the, and, and what they're doing in Ukraine. We were, we were struck by that. But how, how, how far we have fallen and how quickly our world begins to move on when instead of Russia and the, and the war and the atrocities in Ukraine that we're, all of a sudden what grabs the headlines is Will Smith slapping Chris Rock in the face at the Oscars. I know that's getting into some current events, and I want to get back to this story here this morning and preach to, and help us out with something, but let me just, just help us with this right now. That the, like the, there is somebody who is struck in the face on national television, but he gets to go to bed at night, he gets to sleep at his home, he's still got riches and fame and popularity. As a matter of fact, his stock went way up. And Will Smith, I know, oh, oh, he's been punished by the Academy and what an atrocity of racism that this is and all the things that the, that the, that the, um, the media is going to say against this man. But guess what? At the end of the day, his stock is still going to go up. But there's people on the other side of the world who are literally dying because of the atrocities of humanity. And we get all riled up about the current events of our world. And the, and the surface level things that don't matter when I think somebody in another country is saying, I just, I just wish that I could have peace for one night. I just wish that I didn't hear bombs going off on the other side of the street. I just wish I didn't hear gunfire firing off. And maybe that brings us a little bit closer to home where we say, I just wish I didn't hear gunfire in my neighborhood. I, didn't, I wish I didn't hear of crime and, and muggings and carjackings happening in my neighborhood. Just want there to be peace. I just want peace. 
peace in your relationships. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm going to meddle this morning. <laughs> peace in your relationships where there hasn't been peace, where it's been dangerous and it's been tenuous at best, and where you, are, you feel like you have to walk on eggshells. Anybody? No, nobody here has those issues. Yeah, okay, well, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Just, just open your heart. <laughs> no, but really. <laughs> I just want there to be peace. Peace where you don't have to worry about who's right and who's wrong. I, I just want peace. I just want peace. That's what Zeph- Zechariah tells us is that, Jesus, that the Messiah will come and he'll bring justice. He's, he's, he's just and he'll bring justice. He'll make things right. So all the while the people are celebrating and they think this is it. He's coming and he's going he's gonna to make everything right. And he, and he ultimately does, but not the way that they think. He was coming as peace itself. Not to debate, not to compromise. He wasn't coming to sit at the, t- at the table of compromise and to just have a discourse about what should or shouldn't be done. But he was coming to settle things and to bring it to completion. As the end of his journey into Jerusalem, the, the journey into Jerusalem is just the beginning, but as, as the end of this, this particular journey culminates, it's not as Jesus sitting on the throne and ruling, but it's with Jesus on the cross crying out, It is finished. Finished. So as the people are praising Jesus on his way into Jerusalem, he's not stopping to explain the historical significance of the moment. He's not stopping and opening up the scrolls and saying, well, you read right here. This is right where we're at. And by the way, what happens next is that I'm going to go and be betrayed and I'm going to be crucified and and tortured and tormented. He's not doing that. He's just letting the moment happen because it's fulfilling prophecy and it's leading the way to something better. Even, uh, let me say this, even when our praise is just, is off just a little. <laughs> even, even when our praise is just off just a little. And you may be sitting here going, what are you talking about? How can our praise be off a little bit? You know how our praise can be off a little bit? I'm just going to talk about church because this is where we're at right now. You know how our praise can be off a little bit? It's not off because of music. Praise is off when we come in all happy and great. Life is great. Life is good. Life is like, that's what's up. Yes, like life is good. And I'm so happy. And we're just going to praise. We're going to worship. And you're going to slap the bass and do a good job and keep beating. Pastor Haddon used to play drums, but, you know, like, Bless God, you don't have to do any more of that. So, but you did well, but you don't have to anymore. Like, we're just going to hear the drum beat, and we're going to hear the singing, and we're just going to worship and look at the words, and everyone's going to worship. And man, we're just going to have a good time and praise God and hallelujah and, and shake hands. And oh, at the end of service, we're just going to come up and pray and have a good altar call, and, and everything's going to be great. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go right back to where I came from. That's how our praise can be off a little bit. You can get up and you can, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody. 
You can get up and dance. You can shout. You can run. You can raise your hands. You can kneel on the floor. You can clap your hands. You can be a rock if you want. I don't, you, you, can do, you, you can do all these things. You're pra- we can praise God. And it can look good, feel good, sound good. But it can be off a little bit. Because the work that Jesus wants to do is still, is still culminating in something bigger in your life. The work that he wants to do is not just the shaking hands and praising God and hallelujah and let's take up another offering and yes, Lord, and all these things. I mean, let's do that. Not right now, but like, let's do that. Yeah, that's great. Let's do, let's come in. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I'm happy. Let's do those things. But at the same time, realizing that what Jesus wants to do is more than just ascend into the city of Jerusalem. He was going to that place so that he could hang on a cross. And we're coming in and worshiping and praising and everything is going great. And and then all of a sudden the Lord says, yeah, but I think I want to talk to you about something. And you go, hmm, sing another song, Lord. Let's, let's sing another song. Let's, let's um, you know what, this would be a really good time for an intermission. We don't even have those, but we're going to have them today. Like, that's where we get worshiping and we get praising, and, and then all of a sudden somebody comes alongside of you and they start praying for you, and they start speaking some things that are really close into your life that you didn't think anybody knew. And you go, who have you been talking to? I don't, think I, want to, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Or, 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 you know, Lord forbid that the preacher preaches on something that gets down your alley. I'm just going to look up here. <laughs> and I don't just mean me, whoever it is that can operate in the Holy Ghost, yes. But <laughs> the Lord wants to do something deeper in your life than just come into the city, than just the celebration. And I wonder, can we praise him just the same? Can we praise him just the same when he's working on our hearts? Can we praise him just the same when he's trying to fix something in us. (laughs) Can we praise him just the same when he says, I need to do surgery on you? Can we praise him just the same when he says, I'm going to give you some things to change your habits? Can we praise him just the same when we go through some things that he's putting us through to make us better? And those things, can I tell you, usually don't feel too good. They don't feel good. Getting, getting better in the short term doesn't feel good. If you've never exercised, and we all know we need to, chiefest among us, when you start exercising again, I'm, I'm going to promise you something. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. It doesn't just hurt in that moment. It hurts what, what feels like an eternity. 
We're like, all of a sudden, after, after one round in the gym, we're like the psalmist. Oh, Lord, how long will you forsake me? Like, I do two sit-ups a day. Sit up out of bed. And after I sit at the dinner table, I, I sit up to the dinner table. It's two a day. It's about all I can take. It doesn't feel good, though, does it? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when the doctor says you got to cut these foods out of your diet. Oh, I'm not getting personal. I'm just saying it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when you, when you try to quit something that you're addicted to and the withdrawals start kicking in. It doesn't feel good, does it? It kind of hurts a little bit. It doesn't feel good, but but it's making you better. Can you begin to actually change your gratitude instead of being thankful for that thing and being thankful for being made better? Thank you, God, for making me better. Thank you, Lord, for loving me so much that you won't leave me this way. One of the worst things that happens in our societies that parents do to their children is they don't challenge and discipline their children. Now listen, I don't mean abuse. Because discipline can turn to abuse real quick. It can. Abuse is harmful, but discipline is not. But you know what else is abusive? Neglect. Neglect is abusive. We have a whole generation that's raised by iPads and iPhones. Well, no, okay, I got to focus. Palm Sunday, here we go. Palm Sunday. But I'm thankful. Mother, thank you. Wait, there wasn't an iPhone or an iPad to put me in front of, but, but thank you for disciplining me. Thank you. This isn't going to be popular, but I, I really don't care. Thank you for the spankings. that I needed. And, 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 you know, you probably could have done a few more. But the Lord took over. He, he took care of that. <laughs> he hits harder. <laughs> Thank you for discipline. Thank you. Like some of you think of not, maybe, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a coach in your life. Maybe it was a pastor in your life. Maybe it was a friend or, or somebody else that, that held you accountable in your life and got you through some things and helped you advance through. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. And all that the Lord is doing is he's saying your praise to a certain point is fine. I'm not going to interrupt that. But what I want to do is I actually want to help you with something. And so beyond just taking the praise and saying, this is really good, he's saying, I want to take you to some really drastic places, including the, the Last Supper, including the Garden of Gethsemane, including uh, the, the, the whipping post for scourging, including the way of pain through the city, including the crucifixion and the lifting up on the hill, including the spear in the side, including everything. I want to take you through some places. And I wonder if we can be 
thankful and praise Him through the hard places. Thank you, Lord, for hard places. Thank you, God, for difficult times. Thank you, Lord, for heartache. Doesn't seem natural, does it? Doesn't seem right. The reason it doesn't seem right is because rightness, when left up to our heart, is totally messed up. There's a devotion that I've handed out to a few folks, and, um, and if you, I'm, I'll just be transparent, I'm not a big fan of devotions, uh, daily devotionals, not a huge fan. If you are good, don't take my disdain as an indictment against them. I just find them kind of, they're just not for me. It's not for me. But there's, there's a devotion I've handed out to probably 10 or so people in the last couple of years called Don't Follow Your Heart. And that's probably the best advice uh, you could probably give somebody. Don't follow your heart. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know him? It doesn't seem right to our heart to be thankful for hard times. It doesn't seem right to our heart to be thankful for the, for the low, low valleys that you're going through. I preached a message a couple of months ago entitled, But Do You Trust Him? So let me, let me do a little survey. We're going to take a little survey this morning. I want to just encourage you. We're not going to get personal. We're just going to take a, a little informational survey. If you would raise your hand. Not right now. Just I'm going to ask a question. If you would raise your hand. If you're going through a hard time, can you raise your hand? Keep, and keep it up. Keep it up real high. So it just, and this, everyone just look around. There's so many people. It's enough to look around. It's okay. Hard time. Okay. Do you still trust him? then you know what you can do? Take your trust and your hard places and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. I don't know how you're going to put this and this together, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust so you know what I'm going to do? I'm not just going to praise when it feels good. I'm not just going to praise when everything seems right. In the middle of my hardest season and chapter of life, I'm still going to praise you, Jesus, because I trust you and know that you're going to bring me through it. I'm not just going to praise you for all the great things that you've done. I'm going to thank you because I know that in the middle of a storm or a trial or a cross, you're still going to be God in everything. We don't do a lot of preaching about the enemy around here because the enemy doesn't deserve the time or the attention. But can I tell you that the enemy, one of the things that he hates most about, his, about you people is when you begin to thank God even when he's trying to take you down. When the enemy's laid a trap for you and he's got you snared up and he's got you in a hard way, when you can just begin to thank God, the enemy doesn't like that.
So if that's important to you, fine. Then that can be important to you. But can I tell you that Jesus Christ has got you in a place right now. You say, I'm in a hard time. I'm in a hard place. I'm in a rough season right now. Thank God for the hard places of life. Thank God for the hard seasons in life. Because you know what it's going to do? It's going to build something in here. And it's going to make something for you. And, and to glorify the name of Jesus Christ that you can't do on your own. How many of you have ever lived paycheck to paycheck? I got my hand up because I have. Don't, I'm not going to ask you if you still are. <laughs> woo, woo. How many of you have not lived paycheck to paycheck in the sense that you, you didn't have enough to live off of? We joke about this. My wife and I talk about it. When, I was, when we were both in college and we lived in Bemidji, we had a little apartment that was, we couldn't afford to heat in it. And it was so cold at night you could see your breath. We are sitting there eating supper and all we could have is beans and rice because that's all we could afford. And just, all you, you sit at the table, you got your stocking cap on, you got two coats on, you got your mittens on, and you're eating soup and beans and rice and all, you can see your breath. You go to bed and you got seven blankets that you got from, you know, you got some of them from Goodwill and some of them from the Salvation Army. You're just like, I just got to find as many blankets as I can. It's so cold, the cat that's got a fur coat on has to get underneath the blankets because she's freezing to death. You open the fridge and all you see is a box of baking soda. And you get so hungry, you think about eating that. You start to convince yourself, that's absorbed a lot of flavors. I bet I could taste something in there. It's like that jelly bean from Willy Wonka. Oh, it's pumpkin pie. And it's like, it's like, no, 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 don't do it. Been through some lean times. But you know what it does? It gives you an appreciation. It puts a reliance on God. It says, I'm doing everything that I can, but Lord, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to have to trust in you. And you know what the Lord has done? He's been faithful. He's been faithful. There was one time in Bemidji when we had that cold, old apartment and the wind was coming through the windows in the wintertime and you could see the curtains moving because it was so poorly built or insulated and it was, it was, just, it was kind of like in that place where you feel like you just want to quit. Everyone, anyone ever feel like you want to quit? Yeah, we feel like we want to quit sometimes. And all of a sudden we heard a knock on our door. And I opened up the door. There's bags of groceries in the hallway, and nobody was around. A long hallway this way, a long hallway that way, and the apartment wasn't big enough to take me a long time to get from our old borrowed couch to the door. I don't know who dropped those off. If it was a human, an angel, or God just made it happen, I don't really know. I don't really care. I'm just giving God thanks because we trust him, right? We trust him. And just like he's brought, how many of you have testimonies like that where God has brought you through? Just a couple of us here today. How many has got testimonies where God has brought you through? He's going to do it again. So our response in the hardship is not to just thank him despite the hardship. In spite of it, you thank him because of it. I'm almost done. Probably. <laughs> Brother Kunger, I'm going to prophesy. Spring is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, it's not a real prophecy. 
I don't promise. I actually can't do that. Uh, you've been through some hard seasons. And this last winter was no picnic. In a number of levels. But God's brought you through it before. Not just the season, but this season. God's brought you through things before. He's going to bring you guys through it again. And, it's, and, so, and so what he's doing, and this is not me picking on, on them. I'm not picking on them. Because if you think that, then you're next. <laughs> but, but what it is, is the Lord saying, I've got a journey for you. And I just want to equip you with some things for your journey. That you're going to need on the journey. And that you're going to be able to bless others with on your journey. So I'm just going to equip you with some things and send you with some things. And, and put some things in you so that when you go, you're not going to be lacking for anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So when you are going through the hardship, it's not just thank him because you know something will eventually work out. Thank him because of what you're allowing in my life to work on me, to work on somebody else, and to bring us through this together. If you can stand this morning. Musicians. Psalm chapter 118, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, speaks of the Messiah. Psalm 118 and verse 22 says that he was the stone which the builders rejected. And he has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ, he is our rock. He's your rock. He's your foundation. He is the chief cornerstone on which all of our faith is built. Jesus Christ. And his example to us on this Palm Sunday is he, he, he allowed the ascent into Jerusalem. And he allowed the praise that probably sounded like it was just a little bit off. He, he let that all happen because it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It, it needed to happen. But what came after that? What we find is we find that the people around Jesus slowly but surely, one by one, began to walk away. When, when the message and the tone turned from excitement and energy and, and buildup and, and all of that, when, when that, all of that began to shift tones a little bit, all of a sudden the people started to look around and they started to say, you know, I don't really know if, 
if this is going to be for us. I don't really know if this is going to be for me. I, I'm not so sure if I signed up for this. People began to see what was taking place. One by one, they began to walk away. But Jesus Christ, because of his mission and what he was called to do, what he was set out to do, he was a rock, a stone unwavering he was firm and he was true Isaiah 50 and verse 7 says for the Lord God will help me therefore I will not be disgraced therefore I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed this passage in Isaiah, and I'm going somewhere, just hear me for a little bit more this morning as we're wrapping this up. That, that passage in Isaiah is a song of the servant, of the Messiah. It's the song of the Messiah that he would sing and he would say, a poem that he would say, and it's saying, I have my face set like a flint. The rock Christ Jesus has his face set. He has a mission. He's not moving. He's going. Zechariah chapter 9, we read about the prophecy about Jesus coming in. But if you read about the Messiah coming in to Jerusalem, but if you read in Zechariah chapter 7, just a few, just a couple chapters before this, it says this about the people in Zechariah 7. It says this about the people of God. It says, they refused to heed. They shrugged their shoulders and stopped their ears so that they could not hear. They made their hearts like a flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent them by his Spirit. This refusal, this hardness of heart can happen to us when over and over and over again waiting, Jesus, waiting, 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 waiting. It's that rock in that hard place. the rock Christ Jesus who is, who is utterly determined to love you and to make you better. It's the rock Christ Jesus who is just so persistent in his love for you. A pure love that glorifies his name, but it also makes you better. That in the very thing you're going through now, it's not designed to destroy you. It's designed to 
designed to make you better. The, the very thing that you're going through, hear this preacher just for, for another minute this morning, the very thing that you are going through, the very thing that you walked through, fires that you faced, will the thing that you're going through right now, breathe the thing that you're going through. Come on, someone. Brother, Sister Eaton, our elders, the things, things that you're going through. Young men, the things that you got to go through and you got to face. To our peers, the things that you're dealing with and that you're facing right now. God is putting them in your life, not to destroy you, but to make you better. And so that his name can be glorified. Like we said it at one point, we said, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. You remember singing that song? If you would have known that this is what he was going to do in your life, you, you wouldn't have sang that song at all. You would have been the rock. You would have been the rock that said, if you can use anything, use him. Use her. And I'll support them. I'll be the rock that just supports them. But you didn't. You said, Jesus... In a moment of clarity, in a moment that wasn't, well, that wasn't fuzzied by this world, in a moment of connection and closeness of heaven and earth, you said, if you can use anything, you can use me. And so Jesus said, okay, I'm going to start using you. I'm going to start using you for this. I'm going to start using you for that. I'm going to start using you because somebody else needs healing. And you got the sickness that they got. And they're going to want to know, how do you get through it? And you're going to say, the only way I can get through it is with Jesus Christ. I'm going to start using you because somebody else's marriage is in trouble. And so I'm going to shake some things up in your world because let everything that can be shaken, let it be shaken. So I'm going to shake some things up in your world. And I love you so much that I'm not just going to leave you that way. So I'm going to shake it up and so that when they wonder, how'd you get through it? You're just going to be able to say, I don't know, just Jesus Christ. I'm going to shake some things up in your world financially that you didn't ask for. You might get fired. You might get laid off. You might have some, you might have some issues that make you go, go you make your account that was way up here go way down there. I'm going to do some things because somebody else is going to make some bad decisions in their life. And they're going to have everything taken away from them. And they're going to say, how do I get through this? And you're going to say, I don't know, just because of Jesus. He's, that's the only way I'm going to get through it. So what do you do when you're between the rock and the hard place? We just thank him. We begin to praise him. We begin that even though it's not perfect and even though, Lord, I know it's not done yet, and even though I can't understand where this is even going, Jesus, I'm going to praise you. No, 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 not, not just because that's what I'm supposed to do, but genuinely deep down inside of me, I, I, I know I need to get better. And you're putting me through this so that I can get, you care enough about me to arrange all of this so that I can get better? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for putting all this stuff in place just so that I can get better. Thank you, Lord, for allowing the times that we're in right now to happen to you and to me so that we can get better. 
Thank you, Lord, for not letting me settle in to comfort and bitterness and pain so that I could get better. Thank you, Lord, for stirring up things in my emotions and in my heart so that I don't live with this cancer in my spirit so that I can get better. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him. He endured for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. The joy? Like what joy is there? You know what the joy is? It's you. You're the joy. You're the joy that was set before him. It's you reconciling you to himself. His humanity. He endured it because there was joy. And I wonder if on this Palm Sunday, I know we started with praise this morning. I know we started with some praise, and it was all groovy and good, and I loved it. It was so good. Like right now, you're probably like, let's just go back there. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. Even in the hardship, I want to go forward. Even when the hammering heart of our creator is just pounding us on on the anvil of love, and he's saying, I'm working some things out of you. I just want to keep going forward. Even as he's working us and working us, he's, he's giving us little spankings and he's, he's putting a little pressure on us. He's disciplining us. A little. I just want to keep going forward, Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing in me. Because you love me so much. Love I didn't deserve to make me better and to glorify your name. So this morning, every eye closed. If we can this morning, every eye closed. And we're just going to praise him. In just a minute, we're going to sing. And, and while we sing, huh, I, I don't want us to focus on things getting better to miss the moment that you're in right now. God wants to do something in your life right now. We're going to open up, I'm going to open up this altar, this front, if you want to come on up here. It's just kind of our custom of what we do at the end of a service to re- if this is resonating with you right where you're at. And we just want to come, invite you to come on up and to, and to just begin to, to begin to step away from where you were, maybe even when you came in, and to come on up and just begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the hardship. Thank you, Lord, for the hard places. Thank you, Lord, for the long season. Thank you, God, for working some things out of me and for putting some things into me. Thank you, God, that I didn't deserve it, that I wasted so much, but you gave me another chance. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on me. Thank you, God, for your grace and your goodness and your mercy following me all the days of my life. Thank you, God, for never quitting on me but for putting me through, Lord, what I have to go through to make this person better and to glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. So will we keep praising him this morning? Will we keep praising him when his purpose is revealed in us? I will praise you. I will praise you. Will we keep praising him? I won't let the stones when he says, pick up your cross. Will we praise him? And wave branches and lay down our coats. When he says, deny yourself. Will we welcome him in deeper into our lives? 
genuinely thank him for every moment for every season Thank you, Jesus. The stronger 